I'm Tyler, and you, friend of the pod, are my koinonia. Today we're talking about how the church started and how it's going. Barry's here to set the stage for the book of Acts and key moments in the early church. But before we get a deep sense of awe and devote ourselves to the teachings of the apostles, now that they've sold my property and possessions to share with those in need, let's welcome in our favorite believers, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Favorite believers. Yeah. Here we are. How's everybody doing? You didn't make any references to dinosaurs or the Avengers or anything well, like that? We'll get there. It's it's always a scripturally. <laughs> oh, we'll get it's there. founded in scriptural. That's scriptural true. You have references. Gotten, your your interests have gotten much more scriptural. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Should I get this out of the way right now? Yeah, there was a Marvel reference in your message, and yeah. it was quite the controversy. Well, oh, yes. controversy! I heard Ryan confronted me after service Did because he? of it. Yeah, I I knew as it was coming out of my mouth, someone's going to be upset about this. He literally asked me to call you out on this podcast. What happened? <laughs> I said that Scarlet Witch and Spider Man were having shawarma with Captain America, but canonically, the only time that we know that the Avengers had shawarma <laughs> was when it was the original Avengers and Scarlet Witch and Spider Man only right. came to that yeah. scene. It later. is impossible because that scene was in phase one and Scarlet Witch didn't appear until phase two and Spider-Man not until phase three. And it's not even possible in another timeline from the infinity time hop because Peter would not have been bitten yet. I cross-checked this with my children who both said, yeah, I thought that, but I was just going to let it go. Wow. Both Uh, of my kids. All I got to say is you don't think there's any possibility that this group (laughs) of people that were associated together with the Avengers initiative that they did not have shawarma at any other point. <laughs> they had, it was only that one time that we all, that we saw it happen in the post credit scenes of the original, the Avengers. And by the way, Scarlet Witch and <laughs> Spider-Man and Captain America existed before 2007. Everybody. How do we know they didn't have shawarma in the comics? Yeah. Who did I even say Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe? Ryan. Whoa. Whoa. Or was I just referring to the well, Avengers? I, I don't know. All I know is that Jaden did find your reference questionable, but <laughs> oh, Jayden, literally. Jaden's questioning it now too. He, well, when I cross-checked and you know, nobody wants fake news, right? So I called my son to make sure that Ryan was on the right path. <laughs> he was on the right path. He, he was. He was. But when you mentioned Lord of the Rings, my son clapped. So you got well, applause very from him. I was doing all the deep cut references. You shall not pass. <laughs> In, uh, at nine o'clock, I got on this little tangent where I was talking about the, the Fellowship of the Ring and how they were, you know, trying to save Middle Earth from Sauron. And I was like, and of course we know Sauron was like a lieutenant of Morgoth. And I started getting really deep into the of lore. Of course we know that. Yeah. And I did have someone come up to me afterwards saying, hey, if you ever want to do like a Lord of the Rings oh. discussion group. Like I would totally be a part that of that. That would be so, so cool. <laughs> I mean, cool is in the eye of the beholder, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, who knew? I when, You know, who knew we were a church of nerds? Well, I put a lot of energy and effort into planning for these conversations over the podcast. Mm-hmm. At no point did I think Marvel would be a controversial topic <laughs> for this episode. So I'm kind of unprepared, but I'm ready to continue. Man, Ryan was hot. Well, I'm just saying, Ryan, I apologize, <laughs> but I'm just saying shawarma, not limited to only when it's on the screen. That's yeah. all I got to say. Right. <laughs> Guys, what's new? What's happening? What's going on? what I miss? Go for it, man. What's oh, new? Oh man. I feel like I speak for every parent. Um, uh, of teenagers when I say graduation parties, that's what's new. So when, when, uh, when your kids like have friends that have graduation parties, do you go to them? Yes, I do. Depending. I mean, yeah, if it's, if it's like a kid that I don't really know, but mm-hmm. it's like their friend from like second hour, you know, they'll go to those on their own and Jaden's driving everywhere now. So they do go oh, yeah. to those on their own. Um, but no, when it's someone that, you know, someone that I know, yeah. um, you know, we were at a graduation party yesterday and there's another one um, coming up this weekend. So it's just tis the season for the graduation party. Has that always been a thing? Like I know we had it when it was our age, but like, was it a thing in like the sixties? 
I don't know. When did that start? I'm just curious. I don't know. And I wonder like how different it is region to region. Um, because I, I had an eighth grade graduation ceremony. So when both my kids got to, when Jaden, when Jaden got to eighth grade, I'm like, yeah. Oh man, I got to start planning for his eighth grade <laughs> graduation party. And then I found out no one here does that. Yeah. You're free. That is not a thing here, but it's um, a huge thing where I come from. Interesting. Graduation parties. I'm not a fan. You're not. <laughs> Why am Tell I not more, surprised? <laughs> I am not surprised. Because you get invited to everybody in the world's graduation party. But it's like, I have to, I have to have equal. So I, if I go to two graduation parties, one person's going to Harvard, one person's going to like, I don't know. <laughs> Like some like not Harvard, some like, all right, Greenville college in Illinois. I'll just say that. Cause that's where I went. It's like, I have to have like equal. I'm proud to use an equal good jobs of yeah, course. for both graduates. Yes, get in. Yeah, but I'm not. And, and if I'm someone just like, decided to take a gap year, you yeah. would also have to <laughs> have sure equal because so, it's about accomplishing the graduation of high school. But yes. Graduation, uh, graduating high school is something like you're supposed to do that still. Like 99% no, of people. No, it's, I, again, I think maybe there's a, a cultural difference and a regional difference. I think 70% the, of people. Can I just tell you from my life experience? Yeah. I think eighth grade graduation was a bigger deal near Chicago <laughs> because there was a maybe greater chance that not all of those graduates mm. would have a high school graduation. My kids went to a very small Lutheran school um, that was only pre-K through eight. Yeah. And there was a big, like they paid to have this like poster board printed mm -hmm. that said something like 99% of our students go on to graduate high school. Yeah. They had to advertise that okay. huh. in the school. All right. Let me, let me change what I said. Uh, 99% of Carmel Fishers, Noblesville, Westfield, like they just, that's what they do. If you go to a school where that, where that's not the expectation and not the majority of people, by all means have a party and celebrate. <laughs> Tyler, I feel like it's you've still dug an accomplishment. It's still it an, an accomplishment. And maybe I'm just mad because I barely did it and I had a party. <laughs> the guy going to Harvard uh, got the same kind of party and I felt like, yeah, he did he it, but he, he did what he was supposed to do. I barely made it here, everybody. Then it should have been an even bigger party for you. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm no, saying. My, I'm having to catch myself because you're right, Barry. It is about the completion of yeah. high school and it shouldn't be about, so what you going to do next? You right. know, I, I don't want to put that pressure tell on. Us, tell us what the rest of your right. life is going to be about. Right. Yeah. Right. And if they want to, you know, talk about how they're excited about where they're going, then that's, right. that's them. But I yeah. don't want to be the one to be like, so buddy, where are you going next? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You know, I, mm -hmm. I just don't want to, I don't want every kid to feel like they've got it figured out. Is it still normal? Like I haven't, I haven't been around a lot of high school graduations recently. Is it still normal to get, to like bring money and gifts and well, stuff? That's, and that's another thing. <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> yes, it is still normal. Still normal. Because I got, I made bank yes. at my high school graduation. See, see, this is exactly the problem. <laughs> I got a racket for racquetball. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So you're doing that. You're doing the circuit. Yep. Doing that. Yeah. It's, and, and, and with it comes all of the emotion of, oh my goodness, this is me next yeah. year. It's coming in yeah. hot. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. you pick, are you like, like picking snacks that you think, okay, I'm definitely having those oh, mini pickles. Out. I'm afraid my kids and the, <laughs> the graduation parties that they've been to have been like so extravagant. Mm. And I'm like, you guys are getting like Lunchables. I will have a, a meat tray and a cracker tray. <laughs> oh, come on. I, it, it's been extravagant. It's that's what yeah, I'm saying. Wild. That's the whole thing I'm saying. Yeah. Like you, you graduated Jaden. You're supposed to. Yeah. Like I had a graduation party, but I had like a cake. I have no idea what we ate. It was yeah. not extravagant. It just needs to, as long as you have like multiple nacho fountains and chocolate fountains, oh my goodness. Yeah. you'll be good. Well, one had like incredible barbecue. And then another one, um, one we went to actually last year was a Brazilian family. Oh my goodness. Pulled out all the stops. Mm. Um, and I mean, just like foods from their country that were yeah. just incredible, yeah. just unbelievable, unreal. Uh, you're not fooling anyone. 
If anybody knows you. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> if anybody knows you. It's not going to be a trash Lunchables. Yeah, it's not going to be Lunchables and unless like Jell-O. Like, unless they're like artisan yeah. handcrafted Lunchables. Marin said I'm making yeah. soup for dinner one time and sent me a picture of four... I don't know, five gallon buckets of soup. <laughs> like, okay. That was a happy accident. Yeah. I made entirely too much soup. Yeah. You, so y- you've got, you've got enough uh, grad, grad food for the Nobody wants soup for their grad party. Just saying no one wants soup for their grad party in like June or July. Mini weenies. Maybe you'll, like, you'll have enough. Gaspacho, cold soup. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We had that um, really nice grad video in the service this weekend. Um, yeah. That flashed all the graduating seniors uh, across the screen and Jaden was sitting next to me at 11 and he's like what picture are you going to use for me next year mm-hmm. and I was like you need to not talk to me right now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think about anything else for the rest of the service just it totally consumed me mm. so are you and Jed the parents that are like I can't wait are you and Jed like <laughs> We will shackle you to your bedpost. Or does it depend on the day? Um, Well, we're just different. Me and Jed are just different. Oh, yeah. Um, Last week we talked about how Jed, you know, Jaden's fully employed with a 401k. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already grieving. We went to a graduation party, you know, yesterday, but we drove separately so that the kids could continue to hang out. And um, they have like they're kind of church hopping my kids. Can I even say that on this church podcast? What? But they have friends that go to other churches. And so they started, they started at merge. And then there was another friend whose church was having a party that happened after merge ended. So they just (laughs) drove like from church to church. My son. They're doing it because they love church. My son went to four church services yesterday. Whoa. Four. And he was, he, he was, was in two in. of ours. Okay. Was, and then he went to two more. Wow. <laughs> oh my they're goodness. Church, they're church rats. Uh, um, so they're like out there being independent. Yeah. We should talk about that. <laughs> yeah. We should talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> no, they're out there, you know, enjoying their independence. And Jed and I drove home. And again, I just got hit with this wave of emotion as we opened the garage. And I'm like, it's just us. <laughs> Oh no. Desi's like, what? What am I? Desi was with Jane. I'm like, this is what it's going to be like. Like, Suddenly the house felt cavernous. It yeah. felt cold. I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm an emotional person. Yes. And I'm already panicking. Yeah. <laughs> like a good six. Wow. Just waiting for the shoe to drop. Okay. Well, we're here for you. Thanks guys. Um, so something cool that my mother-in-law does, I think it's cool. All of her friends had, you know, kids growing up, going to grad parties, but her core group of friends would always jump in to like help the parents of each party. Yes. We do need a graduation party core team. Yeah. You're right. So I'm here for you next year. I can dish out the soup. I could (laughs) mow the grass. No, you can grill. Yeah. I think you are catering. (laughs) Okay. Both of my kids' grad parties. I gotcha. Barry, what's new with you? What's going on? Uh, I'm just wiped out. I was off whatever, last two weeks ago. And then this past week was just, you know how like you careen into vacation and then you get back from vacation and you just like are too much collapsing with all the catch up. And that's what it was. And so, and also I, I committed to both preaching this weekend and at merge last night, Mm -hmm. Sunday night, we were, this is Monday uh, when we're recording this. So I did five sermons. Oh, and I, I recorded a separate sermon for Fishers mm-hmm. uh, of my sermon, same sermon, but different content, some of it. And so I, yeah, it was five sermons in, in a day and a half. So it was a lot. And the Do thing you have to that, like drink tea, <laughs> does this affect your voice? It, it did. I did need a little bit of water. I was getting a little, little phlegmy for the, uh, the Fishers one, but a little phlegmy. I don't know. <laughs> like oh, no. I had more stuff caught in my throat. Um, yeah. But the thing that's like settle down, the thing that's sad about, about being this busy is there's your computer notifications. Uh, the thing that's (laughs) so sad about being this busy is like, I really just want to be in my garden right now. I just want to be out there. And there's like a squirrel. Did I talk about the squirrels eating my strawberries? Yes. Uh, we've not talked about it. I thought we did. Was that an offline conversation hey, about it, squirrels? It was off pod. Regardless, regardless, <laughs> there's, I've set up my hidden camera, my little trail camera yeah. to catch it in the action. And there's just squirrels just eating just, just Are you all like, of them. So what am I? I feel like, I feel like I tried to warn you. Did you? 
I said, what are you going to do about all the animals that want to eat your stuff? And you say, well, I'll just deal with it. Yeah. And I'm going to deal with it. But it's like <laughs> that. I can't I like this squirrel, uh, this, uh, this, strawberry harvest is this year is pretty much lost. Cause I just, oh, I, just come on. I just don't have the time to get out there mm. and put up all the whatever fencing or netting or whatever is going to be the solution. So it's like, uh, you know, I just want to be out in the garden, but you talked a big game about those strawberries. I, was I know to get some, they were the, the two that I had were unbelievable. And then the squirrels found them. Oh. And so they've just, and so they don't even up next. What do we got to guard now? Well, like, I just saw that looks like my blackberry, uh, blackberries are putting on fruit this year for the okay. first time. So and what do we, we got to do right now? <laughs> I don't know. Like if you were at home in your garden, what yeah. would you be doing? Well, the first thing I'd be doing is putting up some, some dig fencing around the perimeter of the fence mm-hmm. to prevent the mole or moles that have started getting into my garden and eating certain plants and disrupting the root systems. So got to put up a big, get that fence completed, yeah. put down some hardware cloth and it's a lot. Can you do like a decoy garden? Honestly, you you joke. Maybe no, I'm not joking. You're not no, joking, no, but no. you can. You I'm can to use creative ideas. You can you can yeah. use other plants that like the yeah. animals want, like yeah. to deter deer or put that like on the other side of the. What heard, if you took store bought strawberries and then sprinkled them around <laughs> like a scavenger? I can only imagine the, the like Could you all imagine? the squirrels that would decide that that's their new home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what I uh, Patty Fromke, who's on the staff with us, she shared an idea that she's heard that you can give, they love peanuts, like squirrels love peanuts. So mm-hmm. you can like put peanuts around and they'll fill up and on peanuts. And then by the time they're to the strawberries, they're not interested anymore. Hmm. Don't know if that would actually pan out uh, or not, but it's worth a shot. I can tell you from experience that all you have to do is build a little squirrel picnic table yes. and yep. whatever you put on that table, yeah. the squirrel will only be interested in. Okay. Cause so why? like there's strawberries over there growing, uh-huh. but you put like, you put an almond on the yeah. picnic table. Yeah. That's all he ever needs. He'll never touch anything else because you've put the effort and energy into building this craft <laughs> picnic table, mini picnic table for yeah. the squirrels. You really believe that? Or are you just saying? No, you're we put rich. one thing on there and he ate it and we've never <laughs> done any, <laughs> anything else. Well, it holds up. Yeah. That holds up. Yeah. I don't know. I'll give it a shot, but I don't know when I'm going to do that. Cause I've been running around being so busy. So, yeah. um, but it's all good. We're I'm guys, I'm making a really cool fire pit this year. Oh, probably okay. won't enjoy it to the fall, but it's like a really big one. And it's, I'm going to, it's got like a metal ring on the inside and I'll do stones yeah. on the outside. And I'm, I'm putting holes through the metal ring so that it does like the double burn where that pulls in air mm. and comes in the hot air, then recombusts. So it's no smoke. Oh, so, smokeless fire pit that or, or less smoke. It'll be really cool. I'm excited. That sounds great. Are you like digging out the area? Oh yeah. It? Putting down Pea sand gravel, and gravel. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that it's going to be the, the real legit thing. This will be out in the big back area with nice. where the near mm-hmm. the squirrels are eating my strawberries. So, all right. Yeah. What about you? What's going on? Uh, well, nothing, nothing really new with me. Uh, we're in kids camp. So my whole family was here today. First day of kids camp. Wait, Lane was here. Yeah. So I didn't know that we wanted Milo to go, but Milo's too young Uh unless Lauren volunteers Mm. unless I volunteer or whatever. So Lauren chose to volunteer. So Milo could come and participate and that's good. But Lane's got to come too. And they've got little ones way where the babies hang. Mm-hmm. And I'm a rookie dad. I made the huge mistake. I was like, oh, I love it. My family's here. I'm going to go see how they're doing. Oh, oh. No. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I go into Milo's room. Milo, he's like, hey, dad. He's playing. He doesn't really care that I'm there. Yeah. Uh, go to Lane's room. Lane's sitting in there eating Cheerios. And he, he and I make eye contact and he's like, ah, like super excited that I'm there. Yeah, and yeah. I go in and I say, Hey buddy. And I just talk to him and then I try to walk away and he starts just like losing his mind. Oh, no. And this is like two hours to go right. in kids <laughs> oh, camp. Um, rookie mistake. Huge rookie mistake. And one of the volunteers is like, did you, did you not see the paper we have posted saying parents, please don't come check on your kids because oh. of this very situation. And I was like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Uh, wow. So I'll just stay here. <laughs> so I stayed in the room oh, with Lane no. for two more hours today. <laughs> 
just so that he wouldn't lose his mind on uh, these beautiful volunteers who have given their time to not be around. Like he was perfectly fine without me walking in. And as soon as I like would stand up, he'd start losing oh, his, man. his mind. Oh man. So I'm not going to do that ever. Now again. you know. Now but you it know. is really awesome to have the family here. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, yeah. it's nice. Jed is uh, volunteering with a lift buddy, um, kicking off his first week of summer vacation, yeah. volunteering with a lift buddy. And then Desi is leading a third grade group. And so they both oh, cool. came, they both came to my office afterward. Yeah. And we're just like debriefing day one yeah. and, how when, and they right. were just so energetic about oh, it. Yeah. I'm like, man, I wish you guys were in my office every day. This is yeah. so Seriously. cool. And uh, I blew the surprise. So I think a couple weeks ago I said Milo wanted drums and a guitar (laughs) for his birthday and we gave him the drums. His birthday is in July, gave him the drums. And then last week, Maren's like, uh, here's a guitar, a mini (laughs) electric guitar. So Maren's just like giving Milo his birthday presents. Yeah. But, and so I've, I've got the mini guitar sitting in my office and Milo comes after kids camp to see see me and he's like, and Lauren's like trying to block him. She's like standing in front of his eyesight to try to block him. And he's like, dad, I see that guitar. What, what is that guitar for? Is that for me? Like, all right, buddy, have a good day. Say so. no, that's Marin's guitar. Yeah. She wanted me to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sorry about that. So kids camps in full effect and the family's here <laughs> and, and it was uh, mixed emotions. Zero for two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, all right. So we're entering into a new sermon series called yep. how it started and how it's going, which yep. is, um, a play off of the, the meme. People are like, what is this? My dad was like, what is this? Yeah. And it's a meme. It's a very, it's just a thing that people do on Twitter. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's yeah. basically like how it started. Elon Musk failed out of college or whatever. And how it's going. Elon Musk sent a rocket to outer space and then landed it. So it's like basically a, it's supposed to tell a story of before and after of sorts. Yes. Yeah. And often it's funny. It's meant to be funny. Yeah. Um, I thought about doing my normal thing, which was like explaining like how it started, how it's going. It's an internet thing. Yeah. But I was like, no, because if I do that, it's officially uncool. <laughs> so we'll do it here. To anyone who does know what it means. So <laughs> we'll do it here. Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to refrain. I'm just going to plow through and yeah. not explain it. Yep. I think it makes sense. Even if you don't know about True. the meme. Yeah. We're talking about the book of Acts. Yeah. So we're that's talking about the book of Acts. Started. Church. That's how it started. Yep. And if you literally are watching the service and the sermon. This is how it's going. (laughs) Um, so week one, Barry, you gave the message. Uh, what, before we get into the message, can you kind of give us what you hope? Cause this is a couple months. We're, we're in nine weeks. Yeah. So can you kind of give us what you, what your aim or desire or vision is for why we're doing this, this topic, this series at this time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think how it's going is actually a reference to the big idea for the whole series, which is not even a big idea. A big question is how, how does grace church fit in with this same movement that we're reading about in acts? Um, if that's how the early church started, what does that teach us about what the church is? What are we up against? What are, you know, what's our message and how does that compare or not compare to what God's doing here at Grace Church. So yeah. when that's why we're calling it how it started, how it's going, because how it's going is where Grace is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and um, that's really what it is. I, I really wanted us to have a chance to to both look at, you know, look at a really important book in the New Testament, but also to ask big questions about where we are, especially because we're at a bit of a, a turning point as an organization. I mean, it's almost our 30th anniversary as a church, which is cool. And mm-hmm. we're just... It, what was that? <laughs> Someone choked as they were <laughs> um, still touch and go with this, uh, this new, this new pad that he's thing. got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the, it's already so pathetic sounding. I didn't think it could sound more yeah, pathetic. Well, a fraction of a second. That's, <laughs> yes, that's how you do it. Um, <laughs> the other thing is I, and I mentioned this in the message, but we're just at a bit of a turning point as an organization. You know, we're launching our Fisher's, 
campus out as an independent church plant right now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're uh, experiencing something of a rebirth here at 146th Street. And so it's just a momentous time at Grace and it's worth taking, taking a look back at, at not only where we've been, but also, you know, where the church has been since the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So... For this particular week, what was kind of the big idea? What did you want people to resonate with or hear or walk away understanding? Well, apart from trying to just kind of set up the book of Acts a little bit and get into what is it and and how does it fit with the rest of the scriptures, um, I really wanted to take a look at what Luke does in Acts 2. He gives this little glimpse at the church at its best. This is, uh, you know, things do kind of get a little bit hectic later in the book of Acts. But at this point, it's like the church has just been born and it's very, very healthy, very strong, very beautiful. And I wanted to just take a look at that moment to understand, okay, if this is the church at its best, then what does it teach us about, about what Grace Church could be at its best? And, and so really I wanted to talk about the fact that the, the overriding emotion of that time of the church at its best at its very early days was that the church began with awe, A-W-E, awe. And I mean, my point, I guess you could say, is that I think those days of awe are still open to us, that we can experience that awe again if we make sure we're putting our energies into being what the church can be at its best. Okay. So you're primarily focused on Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. Yeah. And I'm just going to read it because I'm going to ref, we're probably going to reference it quite a bit. So Acts 2, 42 verses 40, 2 verses 42 through 47 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is just basically a picture of the church growing and thriving and flourishing. Um, And Luke wrote this, you said. Yes. And was he writing it to encourage people or to basically say a history? Or was he writing it to be like, this is how the church should be everybody else? Mm Mm-hmm. What was his kind of intent in writing, telling I, this story? This particular story? I think I think a bit of both. Remember that he's writing this at the behest of his patron, Theophilus, who paid for all of his research trips and all of the mm-hmm. writing and all the work, all the money, that it, all the, the scrolls that were super expensive. He's writing it to help Theophilus understand what what this whole movement of Jesus is all about. Um, and, and I think knowing the timeline of when he probably would have been writing this for Theophilus. By that point, there were probably divisions in the church. There was false teaching in the church. There were misunderstandings and, and immorality in different parts of the church. And so I'm sure what Theophilus has saw in his experience in the church was probably not the church at its best. He may have gotten a taste of it, but, but I think Luke want, wanted him to understand like at its core, at its very best, this is what the church was like. Mm-hmm. And I think the implication is, and and it's something that we can attain or strive for with the Spirit's help. And so I, I think that's why he's capturing this, okay. the way he is. And so how soon after Jesus's death were people behaving this way? Well, I talked about this in the message there. If you look at the timeline, the, the day of Pentecost was about 50 days after the crucifixion or after Passover okay. when, when Jesus died. And so we're, we're only a few months after that or 50 days after that. And then this account is basically the days right after Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't know how long this went on, but I'm assuming, you know, a period of time, weeks, months. Okay. So it wasn't like decades and decades that it was like this. No. Okay. No, because as we'll see in a, in a few weeks, I think week four of the series, uh, it didn't take long before the Jewish authorities started to kind of put, push back a little bit. And 
Stephen, one of the first deacons of the church was, was murdered, martyred and, um, kicked off a, a time of persecution where the early church, this same group of people ended up becoming scattered and, and having to flee for their lives, um, mm-hmm. in light of that persecution. So things did not last like it wasn't that long, maybe months before that, so that sort of thing started to happen. But we don't have Luke does not often give us like specific time tables. He just kind of says, and then this happened. And then a time later then this happened. So yeah, we've had to kind of do some piecing together of timelines. But unfortunately, that wasn't something that was interesting to Luke or felt that he felt was important. Hmm. And you, you kind of dug into the word apostles a little bit. Yeah. Just saying there's somebody who was to, was sent out with a message. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and in the, in the passage, it says the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Were these basically like, were these like the, the people were reading about in the, in scripture? Like, was this, was Paul involved here? Who is, who is, who is the apostle? Who was Paul, an apostle? Paul at this wasn't point? there. wasn't involved yet. Not so, yet. yeah. So this was people like, these are the disciples, the, the 12 disciples. And then there's some debate and discussion on whether other others of Jesus's followers were also apostles mm-hmm. in the strict sense. Cause there are times when it kind of refers to the 12 mm. as sort of the, if anything, the chief apostles, like the, the big a apostles. Um, but I, there's, it, it's all, it's a whole thing. Cause there's a whole series of, of, uh, denominations and theologies that would say that, that there are apostles today that you can be, it's one of the spiritual gifts that you can receive is to be an apostle. Whereas there are others that say, no, it's not possible to be an apostle unless you actually learned at the feet of Jesus. And so there's all the apostles are in the past. Like, so there's all this debate about that. I tried to just kind of avoid getting into that. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, the word apostle means one who is sent out on a, like as a representative with a message as a messenger and, and that's what Jesus did with his followers and their yeah and their teaching their teachings you said were pretty straightforward it's like this is who Jesus was or is this is what we learned mm-hmm. um this is what the whole death and resurrection was all about this is how he fulfills the scriptures yeah basically all the stuff that Jesus was teaching them they're teaching others now so there's obviously no no nobody has no one has like a bible on their laps no so, well, the Old Testament, but it would have crushed your lap. <laughs> so large, I'm just know. trying to picture the scene. So uh, we've got apostles performing miracles. Who's who are they the ones saying, remember, remember Exodus or are they tying? Are they connecting the dots, specific stories or would everybody kind of be like, this is this is I know we've been waiting for this moment. Like, I know we've been waiting for the death and resurrection. You don't need to connect the dots, but. Like paint the picture for me yeah. of what the reason I'm asking is because I feel like we at grace do a lot of this. It's mm-hmm. like we're tying old Testament stuff to Jesus. Like yeah. We just spent Micah mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. We just spent the last sermon series doing that. And so paint the picture for me. Like what, what are they teaching? Are they, cause it's just about Jesus, yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, we, <laughs> we, get, we get glimpses. I kind of what- wish you could record like as, as you're saying, Jesus, Jesus, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So, all right, let me, let me answer your question, but first I'll, I'll actually, yeah. I want to, I want to try to paint the picture for what would have been happening. Now this, this is so interesting to me because this is before persecution has really kicked off. Uh-huh. And so most of the days that this is happening, they're doing it in the temple courts, like the Jewish temple, they're in this big outer court. And imagine like thousands of people are all gathered together yeah. and one apostle after another is getting up and given a speech or a lesson or something. And then after this, they would break up and presumably go to a bunch of different homes. Cause you couldn't fit thousands of people in a home. They'd go to homes all over Jerusalem and they'd eat together and they'd have the Lord's supper where again, presumably the apostles or the other followers of Jesus would be there and they'd continue to teach and they'd have discussions and they'd, ha- so it was this kind of season of learning. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it, but, but I think sort of the cornerstone of this would have been when they gathered together in the temple courts, they prayed and the apostles would teach and we get glimpses of what they were teaching in some of the speeches that they give, like Peter's speech at Pentecost. And one of the, you asked about like scriptures and all that stuff. One of the things that he does is he, he brings up very familiar scripture passages that his 
that everybody there would be uh, familiar with. He's mm-hmm. like, you know how the Psalms say where David, David says, the Lord said to my Lord, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, for whatever reason, that's like, a, they, they always talk about that passage um, <laughs> and it does not really make a lot of sense to yeah. us, but he's basically saying, well, then who would David be referring to? He's obviously not referring to himself. Who was David's mm-hmm. Lord? If he was the, if he was the chosen one that now, obviously someone else was greater than him. And I'll tell you who that greater person was. It was Jesus himself. And so like helping them understand, like, you know, the scriptures, but let me tell you who fulfilled these scriptures. Mm-hmm. It was Jesus. And here's what we saw. And here's how we, and I'm sure Peter, did I say Paul? I met Peter. No, you said Peter. Peter. Okay. Peter is probably, Peter and John and James are probably getting up there and saying, guys, we watched as Jesus was transfigured before our eyes. And we saw Moses and we saw uh, Elijah standing next to him. Yeah. He was, he was the son of God. Like I'm sure they're teaching, telling stories. And other people are saying, I was there when he healed that woman. And let me tell you about uh, yeah. what happened, you know? So it's, it's a community of people awakening to the reality that, Oh my word. He really was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, and again, remember the Holy spirit is, is in them now. And so imagine they're teaching and someone interrupts because there's someone who's has a demon or someone who's deeply sick and they come rushing in and, and Peter's able to heal that person on the spot in the name of Jesus. And everybody's mm-hmm. just amazed mm-hmm. and just like, wow. So yeah. that, that's the picture I okay. imagine when I think about this. And of course, not that long after this, when Stephen was stoned to death, that's when it kind of had to go underground mm-hmm. and what used to happen out in the open in the big temple square, suddenly, suddenly it has to happen in homes and, and more subversively. And you get the sense that they're kind of like this underground movement at that point. Hmm. Yeah. I read this passage and I'm struck by a couple of things. Um, the church always, lots of churches I've been a part of, I should say, have gone back to this as like, you know, True North, like, like you said, this is the church, Mm -hmm. the church at its best, best. And Mm -hmm. you know, why, what made it so great? And then it's usually the question of like, well, what went wrong? Why, why isn't right. the Lord yeah, adding to our number <laughs> daily, those who are being saved, you yeah. know? And I'm struck by this passage that signs and wonders are almost an afterthought. Hmm. They're just thrown in there. But the word that gets repeated more than anything is the word shared or sharing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is where the awe came from. Cause I imagine a people who, uh, who were not in fellowship with one another, not having koinonia, then suddenly the Holy spirit comes and now they're just like yeah. sharing. What's they're opening their doors and they're sharing their resources. Mm-hmm. And it says it in this short little passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47, you can go read it again, but four different times it mentions They were sharing meals. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, sold their possessions and shared the money. Mm -hmm. And then again, talks about sharing meals. So I I wonder if that, you know, as we're kind of learning to pay attention to things that get repeated in Mm -hmm. scripture passages, um, that just jumps off the page to me. Um, Oh yeah. And there were some miraculous signs and wonders, Mm -hmm. a lot of them but they were sharing. I wonder if, I don't know. I hope this isn't controversial, but I wonder if Christianity is at its best when it's like the, the startup. Hmm. Like startup phase. Yeah. Like this is 50 days after the actual events of Jesus, death and resurrection. And everybody's like pumped and we're, I will do whatever it takes to get this news out mm. and I will, sh- I'll sell everything I own and give it to the poor just so this message gets out. And we see that, like we feel that with Grace Church Fishers right now. It's like, everybody's like pumped. People are bringing casseroles Sunday mornings for uh worship practice here, or, here at 146. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and like when the uh, uh, tragedy happens in the community, mm-hmm. it's like everybody kind of pulls together and um, it's like when we're, when we're, when we're kind of back up against the wall mm-hmm. or we're like the underdog or something, that is when Christianity is at its best. And I wonder if, if that has something to do with it, because once, if there's ever a situation where Christianity is like the, the powerful or something, yeah. it's like the sharing kind of goes away mm-hmm. and it's like, I have mine, you have yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, you know, I wonder if there's something to that. Oh, I think there absolutely is. Yeah. And, and I mean that, yeah, I just, I definitely agree. I think there's something about the startup spirit that really yeah. resonates. And I think you start to see as things begin to kind of fall apart a little bit and you start to look at Paul's letters at the kinds of things that he's having to 
talk to them about like, there's a whole thing in second Corinthians where he's basically like telling them, like, how could you not be more generous when he's trying to collect yeah. money for the church in Jerusalem, which is, you know, being viciously persecuted and, mm. and, and, and yeah. they're not wanting to give money. And he's like, guys, there's another church up the street that gave a ton of money, another city up the street that gave a ton of money, but they don't have anything to give. They're poor and they gave yeah. way more and you guys aren't giving anything. It's like, what happened to the generosity? Yeah. What happened to this sharing spirit? And so I, yeah, I think yeah. as it spreads, I think, and I don't even think it necessarily is always having to do with power. I think it's also just when people find it, when it becomes when you're not having the awe, when mm-hmm. there's not the, mm. the, the slack jawed amazement when it's more just like, this is what we do, or this is my club, or this is yeah. whatever. I think you touched on it when you defined the word koinonia, which was mm. probably a new word to a lot of people, sure. but you defined it as participating together because of a shared identity or purpose. Yes. When tragedy strikes, we have a shared purpose. We're going to get through it guys. We're going to get through this together. We saw that at the beginning of the pandemic even, um, or a shared identity, like, you know, nine 11 happened to all of us. We Mm. shared that pain and we rallied right now. Fishers is rallying because they have a shared purpose. They are launching. And on Sunday mornings, the casseroles arrive because we have a shared purpose. Mm. That's, that's that coin and shout out to Lauren Russell, by the way, uh, shout out to Astrid for bringing, uh, empanadas. <laughs> empanadas. Shout out oh, yeah. to, uh, Julie Gibbons for bringing, I was here once not and one, Lauren but Russell two breakfast casseroles and Ashleen Sites and, uh, yours truly in the bears crock pot. That's right. Uh, shout out you to you. Can I tell you the saddest moment was when Jose was like, was like, well, you have the empanada. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> I was so sad. I was so sad. That's okay. Pastor marinate plenty of them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, just that's, that's koinonia, you know, a shared sense of purpose. We feel that every single week, Um, especially, you know, those who are here actively serving, they feel that purpose in kids ministry. They feel it at the care center and they feel it on the worship team. I think when we start to lose that sense of shared purpose and shared identity, we start to lose the awe Mm-hmm. And we isolate ourselves and we hoard our resources. And why, why, why would anyone be drawn to that? Right. And I, I mean, we don't need to get as much into application yet, unless you want to go there, Tyler. But one of the things that I was talking about was that devoting yourself to koinonia brings about awe. I think too often we, we say, well, I'm waiting for the awe so that I can mm-hmm. devote myself to mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, no, you, you devote yourself and you'll find the awe and, that then prompts more devotion and it, it but it's the, we, we kind of have it backwards. We're waiting for it to happen. So I don't know. Yeah. And I wonder, I had a conversation yesterday about how there so many people, I feel like I know, wait to have the experience with God before they believe in God versus mm. having faith in God to experience God. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that's kind of the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And then we got really controversial, apparently, and talked about the Avengers and Koinonia and they, uh, <laughs> the fellowship of the ring. Yeah. Yes. Fellowship of the ring in Jurassic park. Actually, um, ah, Phobos, Phobos, yeah. Phobos. Yeah. Phobos. Um, that's the Greek word for fear or awe. I remember watching Jurassic Park the and original. I remember that scene. Yeah. I didn't know his name, but I Dr. remember Alan Grant. <laughs> I remember just being like, yeah, that would that would be awesome. Right. And so yeah, that was like the perfect illustration for someone like me mm-hmm. who's well, and I, and I what I like about the illustration and I was so proud of that I thought of it <laughs> is that it what the way that you define Phobos is the way you feel when you see a dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Sometimes it's terror. Sometimes it's astonishment. It's the, yeah. but it's, it's mostly terror though. Isn't it just, let's be I, real. I mean, <laughs> no, I guess come on. The, well, when the, when the gates stop working and they break free from their electric fencing and stuff. Yes. That's terror. Yeah. That's terror. But that scene, by the way, <laughs> I watched a video about this recently that showed like how much of a genius Steven Spielberg was the framing of even like the camera, <laughs> camera angles and the way that they move in the shot. It's like compared to the new Jurassic Park movies, which are just like hot garbage compared to the original. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Like, I saw a guy, uh, someone, someone, yeah, so this is my hot take, my Jurassic Park hot take. Someone did a YouTube <laughs> comparison between that scene 
of them seeing the dinosaurs for the first time. And then a similar scene in one of the new ones. And just the way that it's framed, he's like, look at it. It doesn't show any sense of scale. It doesn't show any sense of wonder. And like Steven Spielberg, absolute genius. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> My kids I wish that, have not I w- seen it. I wish that movie would just get a little bit more recognition. Cause it, that guy really had <laughs> something. I think he's going places. Yeah. <laughs> No, we decided that's one of the movies we'll have to watch this summer. Thanks oh, for man. that. Thanks yes. for that. It's so good. Uh, a little scary. I don't know. Yeah, it's very scary. Do you think, do you think my teenagers can handle it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We handled it when we were teenagers. Didn't <laughs> it come out in like 98 or something? No, it was like 94, 92. Yeah, we were like oh. kids. We were kids. So we if were we did, well, we were also <laughs> jaded 80s kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so... The church started with awe. We need to recapture awe yeah. in the church. So you gave a couple application points. Got to get in the game. Yeah. You got to, you got to commit. Um, so you talked about for, for people like grace, it's like, uh, what would it look like to make a commitment to follow Jesus? Like, yeah. For the first time, I just say time. I'm, I'm all in, I'm surrendering my life to him. Um, and then, after that, there's like recommitting, baptism. yeah, recommitting, recommitting your life, baptisms, and then you talked about uh, the core team, yeah. membership at Grace, yeah, and this we've we've talked around the edges of core team, yeah, for a couple months now, but for people who haven't heard this or are not a part of core team, kind of share what what dedicating yourself to core team sure looks and feels like well i'll i'll say i'll say this we're at a, a season at grace like you 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 mentioned kind of the startup phase yeah. i think it even though we're 30 years old it does feel like we're entering a season where we are kind of a startup again we're like i said all this is a turning point in our in our church and one of the big sort of philosophical approaches that we're trying to take as leaders at grace is to really turn over the, uh, the running of grace, the authority of decisions, the, the building of ministries to the people of grace church. And I talked about this in the message. Like it's not us. We're not grace church. You are grace church. Right. Yeah. And so that that's kind of a theme of what we're trying to do right now. Trying to empower, even with volunteers where we don't want to pe- have warm bodies come and do work to help us. We want to empower you to do the things that you are passionate about. And so it's like a philosophical shift. Well, core team is just our way of applying that philosophical shift to our membership. Our membership is, has always been what we always call the horizontal gravity, the kind of the people who are the most invested, most involved, most passionate Mm -hmm. at grace. And this was just a way for us to kind of reformulate how we think about membership and focus it on having people committing to the areas of ministry that they're most passionate Mm -hmm. about. And then when we gather, when we work together, we're actually building those ministries together and, and not just sharing high level information about the church, but actually doing the work together. So that's what the core team is. It, 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 for someone who's coming in, you could basically say, okay, well, I'm really passionate about the weekend experience. Like the weekend experience is something I'm, I really want that to be profound and Mm -hmm. amazing. And so you could say, all right, so I'm going to be on, on the core team and I'm going to commit for this year to, Mm -hmm. to Marin's team to weekend experience. And maybe, maybe one core team gathering, we meet four times a year. Maybe one of the gatherings, Marin's going to have an open discussion about how do we, how can we be more inclusive of people from the Latino community in our services, or maybe, maybe it's, Hey, we've got some problem solving to do. We're going to break up into small groups and think through this issue that we've got to work through. Or maybe one, one month it's, Hey, we need a new, a new name for X, Y, Z. Let's brainstorm. I don't know. But the idea is when we get together, we gather, we listen, we talk and we work together to build the ministries of grace. So that's what the core team is. Yeah. And it's the same for all the other ministry areas, digital experience. That's yours, Tyler, yeah. uh, engagement. That's, that's Marcus's community life. That's Amy. And then operations, which will be, uh, we, it's an open role that we're working to hire right now. Mm-hmm. And can I just clarify something? We, we have talked about the, the core team, um, on this podcast before. And of course we had our big kind of core team kick off a couple of weeks ago and we use the scripture from Ephesians 4.12 that basically talks about, you know, equipping the people of God to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And then there's a tagline under that 
that said, look what we built, Mm -hmm. which is essentially like, Hey, we're all in it together. Like Barry just said, this is your church. We're building this together. And there's been a little bit of like maybe misunderstanding, like that, that sounds a little prideful or that like, you know, the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. But I just want to reread Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's what we mean when we say, look what we built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's scriptural. <clears throat> yeah. And by we look what we built. It's uh, maybe not obvious, but the intention behind it is look what we built with God's help. Look what God did through us. And again, yeah. awe, awe, awe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can do this together. Yep. Um, so you can do that at gracechurch.us slash core to, to learn all about core team and to join. So do that. Um, I want to talk about what some of the differences we see between where it started and how it's going like early church, current church, modern church. I had two observations, but I wanted to, I want to hear what you guys (laughs) Sorry. I just started to think about what the music must've been like in the early church. (laughs) A few more tambourines probably. I, I immediately went to antibiotics. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so number one, space travel. And this isn't necessarily <laughs> different. It's just like something I noticed about the early church that I'm like, oh yeah, no wonder. So number one, those people lived and treated everyone like a family member. Yeah. Like you were talking about, like sharing, sharing, sharing. And I just saw a movie, not a movie an advertisement like a, like for a security system where it's like your garage door is just a curtain and here's, <laughs> it takes nothing for a bad guy to break through your garage door. And so wow. in, but at early church, it's like they included everyone who was a part of that community mm. in the family. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, grace church family, grace family, but I wonder, I wonder what we're missing. Mm that those people in ancient times had. Maybe it is the sharing or whatever, but I, I, we've, we've had sermons about this. It's like, I go home and I immediately close my doors and you know, once it's dark out, I close my blinds, like stay out. Right. But yeah. So that's number one. They treated everybody like family. Uh, number two, they took the Bible seriously. And I think we do that at grace. Uh, but 12% of Christians think Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> okay. Where did you get this stat? I don't know. I've, I, <laughs> I've seen it. doesn't matter it. if it's true. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I just think like as Christians in general, we're reading the Bible less. I know at Grace Church, 20% of people that have filled out a survey for us recently say that they're reading the Bible less now than they were before the pandemic. And we're not, we're not really like a, a biblical, biblically literate bunch. Mm. It just is like believers. I don't, yeah. f- I don't think. Um, and, and I feel like the, and, and another thing these people did is they met to worship every day. Yeah. Didn't they? Mm. That says yeah. they met to worship every single day. Not, the, and I feel like most Christians, at least in America, go to church like once a month. <laughs> yeah. And so mm. I, I, I don't know what to do about it, any of that, but those are some of the differences that stuck out to me is that everybody was family. Um, they, they treated the Bible very, very seriously. And they, the worship part together was like, yeah, this is what we're going to do every single day. This is a part of our natural Mm -hmm. behavior. Yeah. Anything stand out to you guys? Yeah. I mean, especially with that first thing that you said about being, sort of closed off. I think along with that is even just our cultural mindset that we are so hyper individualistic Mm. where even the way that we think about our, our place in the world is from an individualistic standpoint where that wouldn't have been the case in the early church. They would have been of a more of a collectivist mindset where they would have thought of themselves as 
defined by those around them. Whereas we put such an emphasis on self-differentiation and self-definition that it's almost like you're, you're defined like apart from the people around you. So it's just, that's just a cultural difference. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it definitely has some consequences that make it harder to be in a a hyper communal setting like this early church. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at this line and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Mm-hmm. How it's going <laughs> in Hamilton County alone. Yeah. How many different places are there for people to mm. gather yeah. people of people of faith? And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a sign of, you know, evangelism and there's churches popping up everywhere. But I think we all know that sometimes it's a matter of, you know, church hurt and, you know, just people's tastes changing or, or yeah. whatever. If, if I don't like what they're serving here, I'll just go over there. Yeah. And I think there was much more need for unity in the early church mm-hmm. because all they had was each other. We have the privilege mm-hmm. of being able to just kind of come and go from fellowships as we please. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, that's we're not, right. we're not that's all together point. gathered in one place. That's a good point. All the believers were gathered mm-hmm. in one place. Can you imagine that? How yeah. powerful that would be. Yeah. It'd and be pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> it probably would be. Yeah. Louder than these cicadas. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have cicadas in your yard? No. no. Oh, well. <laughs> They're loud. <laughs> I, I find, yeah, to that, Marin, I just, I, I get that there are people don't want to be in places that are uncomfortable, especially when there's 50 options right down mm-hmm, the street. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but it, to, the way that I think about your church is I, I think about it like koinonia. I think about it like it's a, like a covenant community that you are, you have a shared purpose, a shared identity. And so for me, when I think about someone leaving to go to a different church, they may think of it as like, well, I'm just going to go check out a different church, but I see it as breaking fellowship. Like I think of it as, it'd be like, it's like to use the stupid Avengers analogy. It's like, it's like Captain America saying, I'm no longer a part of this team. Yeah. I'm going to go do Batman. Like there's a whole plot there Hmm. actually in, in civil war, uh, Captain America civil war. Anyway, it's like, it's like saying I'm not, this team is not my team anymore. I'm going to go be on a different team. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's it, to me, it has so much more gravity, but I, I don't know that everybody sees it that way. Yeah. I think right. it's, it's very easy to consider. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just head over there. And because if, if, that, if all of church is just a worship service and a sermon, mm-hmm. then yeah, go anywhere. Like just go, go yeah. wherever it's going to give you the most enjoyment. Yeah. But if it's a community that is in partnership together for a greater purpose, I just see it so much harder to consider leaving and breaking that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, and it's, it's not just, we're not just talking Grace Church here. It's it, when I remember yeah. driving through the country and going to these little small towns where there was a different church, a different denomination, sometimes the same denomination mm-hmm. across the corner from one another. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder why did that, you know, Baptist church, why did that Lutheran church split yeah. and build a church directly across <laughs> yeah. the street. Yeah. What? So again, we're talking centuries of church history yeah. that have yeah. led to these divisions and the church as we know it today. But if we're talking about how it started, how it's going, mm. we have to address that. Yeah. It started unified and how yeah. it is going is like, I can't, there are so many different yeah. variations and riffs on Christianity. We can't even count them. Mm-hmm. It is interesting though. If you to get back to what you were saying earlier about kind of when the pressure is on, when, when they're not in power or mm-hmm. when Christians are not in power, I, I could think of plenty, plenty of places where like, I mean, China in certain areas of China or certain rural India, like your church is the church. Like it's mm-hmm. the, the church in your community or you don't go to church because it's, yeah. you can't have 15 churches down the street because they're being persecuted. Well, so it's, or, or in some countries like where maybe it's just the one Catholic church, that's your your church, that's where you go because that's where your community is and that's mm-hmm. it. So, but it's here, it's, we've just got a glut of opportunities. Isn't China the one place in the world Christianity is like growing? Oh yeah, it's booming. Yeah. It's booming, but so much of it is happening underground. That's what I mean. They're yeah. not, right. you know, they're, that, they're the startup. They're the underdog. I think of every major revival that I could think of throughout history, 
it's when these divisions for whatever reason get put aside and people gather in one place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit shows up mm-hmm. and then revival breaks God out. God is watching. And God is watching. <laughs> and believe God. And believe God. <laughs> yeah. No, believe that's. God. <laughs> thank you. That's my favorite one. It's always going to be my favorite one. Um, no, it's when the people come together and they worship in one place. Mm. You know, they were all gathered in one place. I don't want to get into your sermon next week, but we're, we're going into Pentecost. Yeah. yeah. It's coming. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what are we talking about next? (laughs) Well, now we're going to actually kind of turn the page backwards just a little bit, and then we'll start going sequentially through the book of Acts. But we're going to look at how it all kind of kicked off at Mm -hmm. Pentecost when God's Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. And I'm likely going to get a little nerdy and show how that well, I, moment that sound like no you. i'm telling that you it's gonna start it <laughs> it's gonna get i am so glad i'm, I'm sitting be, down for this i'm gonna be trying to tie in pentecost a little bit more to some of the the significance of some of the things that were happening there i've always kind of mm-hmm. uh, growing up i thought of pentecost almost as this kind of out of left field thing like tongues mm-hmm. of fire what oh, wind man. rushing wind but i can't wait i'm telling you <laughs> oh, i'm no. telling you there are there are, there's a lot of reasons why those things happen and it has a lot to do with the Hebrew scriptures. So All right. it's going to be good. Good. I can't hope, wait. Or good for me. I'll enjoy it. But, yeah. um, but then, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about, okay, so what does it mean for the Holy spirit to be within us? What is it? How is that driving the church? What is it? What should it be? And so it'll be interesting. Okay. I doubt we're going to get into as much of the giftings of the spirit as some people would probably want to get into, but I, I do want to, at least tiptoe into that area mm-hmm. a little bit because it's pretty important. So yeah. That's where we're going next. Okay. That sounds good. What's happening? Oh, I guess we don't sil- silence our phones on uh, between Sundays. <laughs> <It's> silence. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that wraps up today. So Marin, um, we please send us out. Sure. <laughs> Do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Bye.